Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. And you guys, we are so excited about this interview. Kat and I are interviewing Saffron Bagley. And Saffron is an international narrative Enneagram coach. She's the founder of the Personal Mastery Lab. You're going to love her beautiful accent. This is a great interview. Don't miss it. So Saffron, let's just go ahead and get started. So when did you get introduced to the Enneagram? And tell me a little bit about how that has helped you to heal parts of yourself. (laughs) Yeah, so I got introduced to the Enneagram in 1997. Uh, But I need to disclose that in 1997, I was 21 and I was very like, you know, the world is my playground. So I was introduced to the system, but I didn't necessarily respect it. I thought it was fabulous and fun and whatever. But five minutes later, I was on to the next fabulous and fun thing. So the formal learning, I think, for me with the Enneagram began around 2000, 2001. And then it sped up reasonably fast in 2005, 2006, 2007. I started getting multiple qualifications with international practitioners like uh, Russ Hudson and Ginger Lapid-Bogda and Uranio Pius. Um, wow. I worked with all of them and learned and studied directly with all of them, which was amazing. And so that's been my journey, Peter O'Hallahan. Yeah, all of them um, since the beginning, really. And I feel extremely privileged. And then even in South Africa, the first person that I studied under was a lady called Adele Balkin. And then another lady that I've studied under for many, many years is a name called Pam Roo. And we always refer to them as the elders. I mean, they were the first people that really were in South Africa. So it's really amazing to be part of a community that is so ancient and yet so accessible first I feel like I'm the first generation after the elders that's beautiful and tell me about what the Enneagram is helping you to heal how has it helped you to grow how has it helped you to be the best version of yourself Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I'm a type seven on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a self-preservation seven with a with a very uh, very closely stacked sexual instinct. Mm -hmm. So I know that the Enneagram has helped me understand that my. my exuberance and when I say exuberance I call it the tigger in me or the tinkerbell in me I I know that that isn't something to be ashamed of in fact I know that it's actually something that other people kind of wish they had that quality but it that it is something that still brings up shame for me Mm-hmm. because I really don't like the idea of not being taken seriously mm-hmm. and so the Enneagram has helped me see that a I'm not alone in that it, it is a seven thing 
and B, that I have a place in my body. This is where I'm really interested in the Enneagram and the body because I'm a head type. I find it extremely difficult to get into my body and to sure. sense my body. Where the Enneagram has really helped me is to, to figure that out. Spoken yeah. like a head type. Like to figure out what my body actually senses like. Mm. that's a really big deal for my healing and even if I talk about it now like I can feel that I'm a little bit hot and I'd like to move around you know my natural thing would be to like crack a joke or find it you know, whoo, get it get out there but I'm like I'm still learning and I'm I'm being disciplined to yeah. stay in the uncomfortable sensation that's sitting currently around my solar plexus Mm. And it's the Enneagram learnings that has helped me pause there, I would say. Mm. What is it yeah. like to pause there in your solar plexus? What comes up for you when you do that? That was me laughing. I want to run away. I want to I want to have I want to have an ice lolly. <laughs> You know, I want to make it, I want to make it nice again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, I want to, go ahead. Something else that I've learned from the Enneagram that would have taken me 150 years of therapy to learn. <laughs> and I've had 150,000 hours, I can assure you. Um, <laughs> but the Enneagram has taught me that actually the, the seven is not optimistic. Actually, when we have conversations with ourselves in the middle of the night, they are really not. They are the opposite of optimistic. They are pessimistic, ugly, cruel conversations. I think the, the sort of the lightness and the joyousness and the attractiveness of the seven comes from actually wanting so badly not to get stuck in that, what I call, the darkness. Pat is yeah. married to a seven, so, so she to, understands Yeah, that. so I'm Enneagram One, and to listen to your talk, it is like honey in my ears because I'm married to a seven, and a lot of that you've said resonates with me, and thank you for sharing that. That's, that's very generous, and I do believe that sevens a lot of times uh, misunderstood by just being happy-go-lucky all the time externally and internally which is in fact is not always the case yes. so i have a question for you about being a seven so i've thoroughly enjoyed reading through your website it it is glorious and when i've read a tiny bit of your biography i've learned that you consider yourself a bit of a loner mm. And does that come, so my question is twofold, does that come as a surprise to people whom you work with or sort of communicate with, congregate with, and how do you balance that part of yourself with your energetic and extroverted part of being a seven? Yes. Because that's a bit of a paradox there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You're really right. And so what comes up for me is that there's this clear line between the five and the seven. Mm -hmm. 
And truthfully, and being in an intimate relationship with a seven, you may have observed this with your eagle eye, that actually all sevens are learners. All sevens need their alone time, but fear being lonely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul, Paul Tillich said that um, solitude is the glory of being alone and fear is, uh, the, is when you experience loneliness and being alone. And, and I think that if a seven's not in a healthy place, they're in a place of experiencing the fear of being alone. And when they're in a healthy place, they experience solitude or the glory of being alone. And I Absolutely. find that helpful. Yeah. And just to add one more layer, when a seven is unhealthy, they hang out with anyone alone and feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. 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 So there's multiple layers and it's all tied into reliability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I can share with you, Kat, going back to your question, is as I have become more impeccable with my word, mm-hmm. in other words, limiting myself to what I can handle, as opposed to letting people down, it's become easier and easier for me to be extremely, very boundaried about my time, my energy. That's why I always say it takes a while to get an appointment with me because not because I'm busy, but because I have my downtime, because mm-hmm. I ride my horses, because I, so I'm still having a great time. Mm-hmm. It's just not so frenetic anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Yeah. So that's, that's the difference between again, that unhealthy and healthier seven is that the seven, when they're in a average unhealthy place, they're going to be a little bit more scattered, more frenetic. When they get into that grounded place and move towards their five, they take time for hobbies, solitude, and then they experience just, you know, that, that mindfulness and that power of the present moment. And that sounds like where you are as a seven and what you're working on as a seven. And that's really beautiful. Um, So tell me what's the best thing about being a seven and what's the hardest thing about being a seven? The hardest thing about being a seven is, is having conversations like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's excruciatingly uncomfortable. And I've just been kind of observing and sensing my body as I've been talking to you both, because that's my promise to myself to get out of the distraction and into the realness of that even solitude in the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you that I nearly died. That's what really changed my life. Mm -hmm. I was in ICU for uh, three and a half weeks. Wow, when was this? As we went into, as a country, as we went into lockdown at the beginning of 2020, 23rd of March, 2020, um, I was, I was actually just before that, a week before that, diagnosed with a tumor that Mm. I had been 
been living with for many years, but ignoring. Wow, ignoring the body again, you know, the seven disown the body. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I made a promise to myself when I was, you know, nearly dead, that I was never going to do that again. And it's, it, it's very difficult for me. Don't think I haven't wavered, you know, I haven't broken my own promise. Please don't think that I'm now like magically no longer a seven. Right. I'm still working, you know, hugely on balance and boundaries and uh, the body. Mm -hmm. So if I go into the body, what's coming up for me is I realize that the anxiety is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, we sevens just pretend it's not, it doesn't exist. It's because we haven't given it enough time. When I sit in the body for more than two seconds, I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, kind of mm -hmm. shiveriness and fear. And the fear I realize I, when I ask my body, what is it about? It's about my privacy. Mm. You know, sevens have it. I always say we have a, a shield, but it's pretty. So it doesn't look like a shield. Mm -hmm. And that shield isn't keeping you out. No, you are welcome in. It's keeping me distanced from you. Mm. You see, and so as long as I dazzle you, it's fine. You never will see what goes on beneath that, what I say, mm. the diamante. You know, my shield is like a diamond. It shines outward. It's great. It's glorious. It's wonderful. Sevens are evanescent. They are like Tinkerbell. They, they're really easy to like. They're easy to get along with. That's never been the issue for me. And I'm sure not for your husband. No, no. He is a, I always say he is the, the, good cop between us he is the nicest one between us he's the one you know if there's a different conversation he's the one who goes he's impossible not to like yeah. he is you know if you look likable look up likable in the dictionary his face might be up up there everybody likes him yeah what's there yeah. not to love? take her and what is there exactly because we'll always encourage your point of view, you know, even if you think Trump's a great guy, I'm not going to argue, I'm going to be like, obviously, there's going to be a conversation in my head, but that's where I keep my, my vault very closed. I if, if I'm not, you know, I'm, and actually, I'm not even necessarily wanting to punt my point of view, I'm going to listen to yours, I'm curious, I'm going to think you're a whackhead, maybe I'm possibly not going to invite you over again. Maybe if there's other stuff about you that I like, I will invite you over again. It's not a big deal. So people think as well that I don't have principles and stuff. I do. It's just that I'm very open to kind of hearing, I don't want any beef with you. Like what's the, I don't want to fight. I don't want to get into an argument. I don't need to stand on my high horse, but yeah, I'm going to have a good time. We're going to, you know, have another margarita and then enjoy the pizza that we're about to eat. That's where my focus is. Yeah. Which is why the seven's part of the positive triad, right? They want to have fun. They want to have a good time. They don't want to argue, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah. They're like, I'm, firstly, I'm self-praise. I think, I think mm -hmm. I'm very self-praise because firstly, I'm, I'm thinking about my neighbor as I actually think about this. And I think firstly, you know, if I had a fire or something, like I want my neighbor to be around. So I'm not going to fight with my neighbor. There's, I need you. So there's the opportunistic part of that being nice and being positive, no doubt about that. Mm 
please get don't get me wrong it isn't always because i'm being nice i'm aware this is the rationalization i mean i have distinct memories of me getting my brothers into some serious trouble because i ate from the chocolate jar for example and feeling really nothing because I, you know, I, I really wanted those chocolates. So the fact that they take the rap for it is not an issue. So it <laughs> isn't always, you know, it isn't always sort of nice. It's not two-ish for sure not. Yeah. It might yeah. be, might be fun, but, but not nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's gonna always work for me. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is that is very brave and very generous, and especially being a seven. So thank you. For, yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's my question for you. So we love. I personally love Enneagram and yoga, and I think Christy would agree with me because those are practical tools and pathways for a person to live their most authentic life, to be their most authentic self, which now it's kind of almost is in vogue. And it sounds really good and great. Like, why would I not want to do that? It's wonderful. Yes. But how many people wouldn't even know where to start or what that means? So for our listeners and us, could you offer some words of advice? or a few mindfulness steps to adopt um, in one's everyday to achieve a goal of living your most authentic life or being your most authentic self? What has worked for you and how do you help your clients do that? Yeah. You know, right off the bat, I have to say that the Enneagram has been the consistent companion for me. And I have to share with you, Christy, it's kind of funny. I have done 36 different time types of modalities of healing. Body wow. Healing. Yeah. When I say I had to become aware, even in therapy, that I was gluttonous about therapy, that was a real big awakening for me. Well, that's, that's interesting. That deadly sin of gluttony showing up as being gluttonous about therapy. I, oh. I haven't but yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. Baby, I'm the queen of gluttony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it took me a long time to put that particular lens on, that particular GoPro video. It took a long time for me to see. So when I say the Enneagram has been the most helpful, I say it because I, it's been the most consistent. Mm-hmm. So I've dabbled in yoga, I've dabbled in TRE, I've dabbled in TA, transactional analysis, I've dabbled in object relations, I've dabbled in pure social science, you know, baby, you name it, I've done it. What interests me, though, about the Enneagram is that it is forever generous in its insights, regardless of our type, regardless of where we are in the journey of personal mastery and personal development, whether it's through practices like yoga or whether it's through programs like my online personal mastery program, it's, it's, it's phenomenally versatile and adaptable, even also managing it or mending it or blending it with astrology. And I mean, it's just endless 
and I believe me, I've explored them all because I'm a head type. I want to know. I want to know all the details. I'm very five and very one. And when it comes to my work, I'm completely one-ish. You must know this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it was about, I think, eight years of using it in my own personal healing. Mm -hmm. Then I realized that actually this was something I wanted to share with other people. And, you know, I often think only a seven would be harebrained and whacked out enough to completely shut the door on a teaching, like a really successful, happy teaching, high school teaching career. And through having sort of felt that I've done all this transformation work, just randomly decide that I was going to become a corporate trainer and think that corporate South Africa was going to take me seriously. Mm. But here I am you know, like 15 years later, and I'm, I'm still that little seven, hustling my ass off, like learning the Enneagram through teaching people about the Enneagram. What do I do with my clients to end the sort of questions was what I've done is I've designed this, I, I created and founded the Personal Mastery Lab, which is a fully blended approach, online learning facility, learning academy where I've created hundreds of hours of me on video, instructing people, teaching people about the Enneagram. I dress up in different Enneagram types. It's absolutely hilarious. I find different wallpapers, all that kind of thing. So it's oh, very wow. visual. It's, you it's make it fun. <laughs> I make it hugely fun. Of course, learning's got to be fun. If you're not having fun, you mustn't do it. That's my teaching motto. And that's the seven in me. I recognize that. And I don't want to change that. So that's going to stay. You know, part of my journey, I must tell you, has been also accepting these kind of things about me that I don't want to change and really noticing how they actually are deeply tangled into the things that cause me shame. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the Enneagram highlights so critically, cleverly, is that paradox. And this is what I teach my clients. And it's like, bam, the lights go on and the journey begins and it's, it's completely life-changing because it's about holding that paradox. Mm -hmm. And I always say to clients in class, I feel like I'm getting into teacher mode now. Sorry, I'm getting excited. I always say to them, you know, hold, the, hold that paradox lightly because we're looking at it through this light today. Tomorrow, there's a different shadow and there's a different place that mm -hmm. we're going to that's how I teach the Enneagram. Every one of those triangles has its own purpose and its own insight. Mm, that's beautiful. Tell everybody your website. What is your website if they want to go and discover more about these personal mastery classes? My website is www.saffron, Bagley, all one word, which is spelled S-A-F-F for Freddie or Foxtrot, R-O-N, Bagley, B-A-double-G for golf, A-double-L for Lima, A-Y for Yankee.com. And I think I'm the only Saffron Bagley in the world. Yeah, so. it's a beautiful name. I love it. Yeah. People often ask me if it was my birth name, and I have to confess, it is what my parents gave me. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, tell me about the somatic Enneagram. I know that's something you're passionate about, but not all of our listeners know a lot about that, even though that pairs obviously really well with the Enneagram and yoga. 
but tell me more about the somatic Enneagram. Yes, and I just want to give you both a big punt quickly. Yeah, I mean, if you can do yoga, do yoga. It's just totally the thing. Not because yeah. it's trendy and because it is the thing. So yeah, I mean, I became very interested in the body and body health. Interestingly, at the same time as the world did because of COVID. Mm -hmm. because I got just a couple of months before because I got really ill and so I was aware through knowing the Enneagram let's face it theoretically that I really had not been aware that I wasn't aware of my body so mm -hmm. soma somatic intelligence soma is the body it's Greek for body so somatic intelligence means the body intelligence and what I always teach my clients on my online program is that our Enya energy mm -hmm. our Enya is an energy that sits in the body mm -hmm. and emotions are just energy in motion so when we get to realize how we don't feel our emotions we cover up through the pattern we can start to unravel the sensations in our body which are this just there to say in South Africa we say how's it it means like howdy like do you see me hey y'all if you're yeah. in the South it's that kind of in South Africa we say how's it it's like I'm just there to give you a message Mm -hmm. so I always say to my clients the body is just the messenger mm -hmm. and the body never lies mm -hmm. and the body will tell you stories all day long and then combined with the Enneagram I always say you're in cuck in South Africa that means it's not a good word it means like you're in trouble that's a slang word in South Africa to say like if you're not paying attention to your body if you're not awake to your body like I'm sure you teach in your yoga. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, in South African Afrikaans, we say then you're in a groot gemort. It means you're in a big, big mess. Mm -hmm. And it's true because emotions trapped in our body, dis-ease causes disease. So you're in a mess. You've got to go and have surgery or take millions of drugs or whatever. It's not good. No, you've got to stop that. Mm -hmm. And so the Enneagram is just like a map. It's like a beautiful map or torchlight into this cave that we've completely forgotten about because we all went through the school system. And I used to be a high school teacher. So I know this high school system, the school system that only teaches us the cognitive intelligence. You know, you're good at maths and science. You can regurgitate standardized assessments. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you're intelligent. What about our heart intelligence? The Enneagram teaches all of us that we've got this amazing solar plexus. Mm -hmm. and I know that threes and twos and fours don't get that because they're like oh my gosh I'm trying to shut it down it's like always awake yo it's like a loudspeaker in there whereas eights seven, eights nines and ones I always say you know they've got this whole kind of movie going on in here like that's that's really awake but for head types I don't get that like mm -hmm. I needed to work with my body but interestingly so do you Kat as a one because ones actually pinch their body nines resist their bodies then eights deny their bodies and so yeah it's a fascinating thing and I think just to end the, the answer because I know I get very excited and I could talk a lot about this but what's beautiful about marrying body work 
whether it's body talk, whether it's TRE, whether it's yoga, whatever it is. And the Enneagram is the Enneagram then gives that cognitive mind, which we need, because it is actually how we process and learn and everything. It gives us then also the language, which yeah. some of the other modalities don't. And that's why I have, I always say when you do my programs, you've got to be out of your mind not to do personal mastery, especially now, but you've got to be out of your mind to do personal mastery. And that's the tricky part. Because mm -hmm. for all of us to get out of our minds is really hard. Yeah. 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 Yes, I agree with you. You know, the beauty of yoga is it is defined as a mind-body connection. That is, that is the ultimate goal to liberation and liberation means no more suffering. So there's so many parallels between those two philosophies. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Let me ask you my, uh, my question. So again, I've looked at your website, love, love, loved it. And on there, you list your values as compassion, faith, and determination which I absolutely love. So could you talk a little bit about how those became your main focus and what life experiences led you to select those three things as your main three values? Yeah, sure, sure. I just want to say very quickly what I also teach on my programs to leaders and influencers is that intuition is the way forward. Mm. Intuitive. And as we, you know, what you've just said about yoga, you know, I would openly say to leaders in my big corporates clients, you know, lead uh, yoga and TRE, it's, it's a must along with my program. So then I would work with someone like you. So yeah, my values of compassion, faith and determination totally come from my story. Um, I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. My parents were immigrants like so many immigrants, and I know Americans have similar stories, South Africa and America really have that in common, that kind of immigrant narrative. Mm -hmm. um, they had seven pounds in the world, you know, that story. We, you know, we were poor growing up, all that. So my um, core value of, I, I always get emotional, my core value of compassion, I think really comes from two big things. I mean, it comes from a lot, a lot of things in my story, but the one is, is poverty. Mm. And um, with poverty comes a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. And with shame, there is a perception that people will pity me. Mm. And as a seven with a heart center, very resistant to trusting people. Mm -hmm. That's been a very big journey for me. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is belonging. Mm -hmm. Being the son of immigrants, you, you don't know where you belong. My heart is skipping a beat. So I'm just gonna tell you, I am an immigrant, born and raised in Russia, came to America alone when I was 15. So every single word that you're saying, and I did grow up in poverty as well. And I was just telling somebody yesterday, they asked, well, you know, what it's like. And I said, you're stuck into in the um, purgatory. I feel like I never belong. I don't belong in America because I'm not American. I'm not born and raised, but we're 
go back to Russia. I don't belong to Russia anymore. I'm not a Russian anymore. So you talking about like, I have a sweater on and I'm covered in goosebumps. So thank you for, and I am getting emotional. I do not get emotional often. So it, it touches my heart. Thank you. Yeah, so please, well, thank you. sorry to interrupt. Oh, gosh, no, thank you. I mean, I, now, of course, I desperately want to interview you about that. So possibly we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, I'm getting, yes. And I always say, you know, God puts me with people. I'm so blessed and I'm full of a soul tribe. Um, I, you know, I'm the only one in my family born in South Africa. So I've always felt like, you know, these people are different to me. And mm -hmm. I was like a, what we call in South Africa, a lot lamaki, a late lamb. And so I'm younger, I was the only one born here, whatever. So there's a lot of othering that I've, that I've got in my life. So the, that's where the, um, the uh, value of determination comes from. I felt, and sevens feel this, they interpret the world like this. I felt very alone and very like, it's me and me against the world and I just got to do this and in South Africa, we have a saying, it says, fork foot. I've just got to keep going forward. Yes. You know, you can imagine what fork means and foot is forward. I just go. And sevens are exceptionally resilient like this. So you actually asked me earlier, what do I love about being a seven? I love that determination. Yeah. It's like, I am not going to let other children go through what I went through. So I pay for children to be educated through the personal mastery lab. I pay for safe houses. You know, we live in a country where there isn't a government that bails people out. I can't have children. It's, I have a disease that prevents me. That's why I was in ICU. And so I am determined that I'm gonna give money to people who feel misplaced. We have a lot of Zimbabweans, Malawians, Zambians. They've lost everything. They've walked here with nothing. I, you know, we didn't experience that extremely, but man, I could tell you stories. So they feel me, this determination. My mother hated this country. Then she loved this country. Then my dad wanted to go back. It causes problems. You, I'm you, you feel the guilt. You, you, I'm sure you, Kat, you could tell me a hundred stories. So where the faith comes from is, is kind of, this crisis of identity in this borrowed country, this again makes me emotional, is the faith comes from South Africa. Mm. South Africa is a glorious place full of unbelievably kind people who have always taken me in and made me who I am. And while my parents were never like, South African and we were always kind of the weird kids with the immigrant parents that were never around because um, they were kind of working and you know what it's like. Yeah. Um, South African parents, sure, South African parents took us in and South African people um, gave us a home mm. and so that's where the faith comes from and South Africa is a six on the Enneagram and so the faith felt very fitting because we as a nation have a lot of faith, especially in each other when, when the shit hits the fan, I'm gonna be honest, I've got an eight wing, I like to, who cares? And we as a, we are a very funny country because we're very suspicious of one another, but when there's another enemy outside, 
yeah, we very good at banding together, which is very six. Yeah. So that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the needed virtue for the six is that faith and that courage. That's when the six goes to yeah. a healthier place when they find that faith and courage. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, the, and in America, we're a three as a country, although yes. we've been a little bit more six like lately, but we're definitely a three. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I have to tell you, I've thought about immigrating to America so many times, and I'm so glad because I love this country so deeply now. I mean, I'm delighted to be connected with beautiful Americans like you, but I really love South Africa. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's become your home. Well, um, the eight wing makes a lot of sense to me as you talk about being a protector and seeking justice, and, and that's just a really beautiful thing. I see that in you. I, that's it makes total sense. So tell me about each of the nine types and how they might become disembodied or how they might disconnect from their body. If you could just do a quick run through of starting in, in anywhere you want to start with the nine numbers, how each one of them disconnects from their bodies. Great question. Yeah, this is totally what I teach on my program. And the more we can actually sense what that feels like, rather than just understand it cognitively, the better. So here it is in theory. Okay, so yeah. And then you can perhaps make it whatever is coming up for you in the body. So the minute we are in our type pattern, we are disassociated from the sensory body. The minute we are in the past or the future in our mind, which the fixation is differently for different types, we are disassociated from the body. The minute we are in the passion or what we call the habit of the heart, you know, that how we cover up our true feeling, we are disassociated from any sensation or emotion in the body. And again, the minute we are in the defense mechanism, we are disassociated. So that's the pattern. And what the pattern does is it keeps us neurotic. Because if we're neurotically distracted, and that's not a type bias as a seven, if we are neurotically distracted with keeping order as a one, or I'm not sure of your type, Christy, sorry. Um, I mean, help. It's, interesting. it's interesting, I felt that in you. Or if I'm, you know, keeping everybody okay, you know because I can if I'm a two mm -hmm. then if not in that neurotic behavior and then of course if you know the instinct structures with that connection in the sexual instinct with that self-protection in the anxious self-praise instinct and in the warmth of the social instinct as we go into where my role is because let's be honest we all want to know what our role is and we are always all this the hero of our own story. So how we stop being that and how we get real, in other mm -hmm. words, how we be present, how we learn how to contribute, how do we learn what we do do to contribute to any negativity and or positivity in our life is through the body. Mm -hmm. And so for the nine, it's to become aware of that numbing. Mm -hmm. When are you narcoticizing? What does it actually feel like? Because that's what unconsciously inspires that narrative of who cares, I'll let it slide this time, whatever, that apathy. And then goes into all bunch of other things, which we teach, obviously, on the program. For the one, you know, Kat, and I say this with so much love, oh, it's that tension. It's that reaction. 
It's an indignant resentment that pops up and frickin' doesn't ever pop. (laughs) So we just pay attention. Hello, my old friend. And then, of course, I teach people to give them names and all of that. So for the eight, how this really pops up is, and, and of course, we body typing here. So we're really talking about the people that resist the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to be practically dead before I'm aware of the body. So we then, for the eight, you know, it's like lock and load. You what? You what? Whether the boxing gloves are there, or they're here. You know, and I always say the extreme eight is Al Pacino in Scarface when he's yeah. in the bar with the gun. I mean, talk about, talk about being in denial of your mm-hmm. impact. And what's interesting is that she's so, uh, what's her name? Uh, Pfeiffer, that character, she's either so two or so nine because she's so calmly, like just, you know, getting dressed or doing, you know, clearly she's so disassociated. Mm-hmm. It plays wicked games, disassociation. Mm -hmm. So as the three, I always go into type, sorry, I can't help it as I talk about it. You know, the energy is always about deflecting my light onto you so that Mm -hmm. you can't see the self-deceit that goes on beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. I know my good side. Mm -hmm. For the four, it's that wallowing attention that downward attention that seeks enviously seeks understanding of what's missing and why mm-hmm. which just is really such a movie actually and really actually gets the four profoundly disassociated from the body and into the present so that's your mm. melancholic. The two, you know, that pride in you, and it is there in the chest often. It makes me feel so much better. And then I can just repress my needs. And then I don't have to admit that I'm, you know, I am super, I am superhuman. You see, look at me again. I am human. It's hard for me to say that. You see, there's mm. a complete disassociation in the body. Now, the heart types experience what I call the Barbie town feelings often, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff that shiny feelings of the three and the helpful feelings of the two. Are they really what you're feeling? Mm-hmm. The disassociation again makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, my favorite, the head types. I mean, we don't even know that we've got either a head or a heart. I still, after 20 years, I think, am I, I just have to figure out, hang on, am I, am I theoretically feeling that or am I, no, no, actually I'm really feeling it. Hang on, whoa, let me just get into that lower back here because there is something happening. You see, so disassociated head types. It's taken me 20 years and I practice tons of stuff. That's why I ride horses. Mm-hmm. I mean it when I say this is a practice that I've done for years and years and years and years and years. And what head types do is we so busy thinking, oh, that's my, oh, good. Oh, is it my hip there? Oh, that's, oh, look. Gosh, I've managed to put my heels up. Oh, I'm feeling my ankles. No, you're not. You're thinking about feeling your ankles because you're still in your damn head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all head types, seven, sixes, and fives, just playing it out a little differently. Five's more cautious about verbalizing it. Seven's wanting to verbalize it. Oh, 
like have more experience than others. So this is kind of cool. It's kind of scary and kind of cool all at the same time. So that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's it. That's how we disassociate from the body. And many of us, in fact, 95% of us, unless we're doing yoga daily and, you know, meditation and all that, um, I think it, it would be virtually impossible to be able to associate with the body without what you do and teach yoga and without the Enneagram. I really don't honestly know how you ever truly get in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I hope that was the answer to your question. It's, thank you. Phenomenal. Thank you. Well, I have my last question for you. So again, on your website, uh, you list your purpose is to teach people to be kinder to themselves, kinder to others, and therefore kinder to all be beings on the planet, which I very much love because it reminded me of a uh, kindness, loving meditation that we practice in yoga and it goes, may I be happy may I be healthy, may I be at peace, may I be free of suffering, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be at peace, and may you be free of suffering. So in your opinion, what are some ways for us to achieve that goal, to be kinder to ourselves, to others, and to the world at large? Yeah. So the first thing is absolutely to start to learn to become kinder to yourself because you can't be kinder to others, right. whether they be human. You know, lots of people are unkind even to their children without even realizing it. Mm. So first I need to just say that I need to define kindness. And for me, kindness, and this is what I've created in my personal mastery lab, nine practices to kind leadership. It takes a lot of discipline, number one. Kindness is not nurturing, overly forgiving, overly indulgent rubbish. No, that's not the kind of kindness, leadership, parenting, or anything that I advocate. Kindness is about investigating yourself and taking responsibility, responsibility, taking responsibility for your responsibility to truly self-accept yourself. Mm -hmm. And that takes the humility to listen to yourself. The truthfulness in three, to really be honest about your feelings. The equilibrium in four, to seriously, and if you are a four listening, see that actually it's okay to feel, but you don't have to hold on to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Leaders on the other side of the spectrum, it's okay. You're all going through a bunch of stuff right now. Like, get us, it's okay. Freak out, it's fine. We'll hold you. Mm -hmm. So that's equilibrium. Then for the five, you know, we can't have wisdom unless we've got feelings. Yeah. Wisdom is a heart sense. This is what kindness is. I'm answering your question. Mm -hmm. It's to look inside and realize, realize actually I've got a lot of strength. I don't need to be afraid of the system of my asshole line manager who's re wrecking my life and making me work 20 million hours. No, screw you. Mm -hmm. I'm worth more than that. And then that's freedom. That's the gift of seven. And freedom is not the frivolous seven. This is what I always want to teach people about the seven. Freedom comes from going through one, which is to take responsibility of not necessarily following the rules. 
but always knowing why I'm changing the plan. That's freedom. Mm. And that's a necessary leadership skill today, which is kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the last one in eight, it comes from the holy idea of innocence and it's compassion. Eights have so much compassion. Unless we are learning this in all of us are learning compassion, we cannot really practice love. And for me, leadership today starts with self-love. Mm-hmm. So my program is based on what these, these nine practices of kind leadership. And it, it so, you know, when you read that purpose, you have no idea that actually you're getting into some hot water because to be kind to myself takes nine practices. Mm-hmm. And it's a lifetime. Yeah. When people finish my five-month program, they go, okay, I'm just starting to begin, then I need to learn to self-accept. Okay, back to square one. I'm going back to practice one. I've got a lady who's done my program six times. Wow. She's the vice president of an international corporation, she says. She's an eight on the Enneagram. She's beautiful. I love it to bits. She's done my program six times because she says, like, every time I learn something else, the light shining in another way. And this is lifetime work. And so it makes sense that we would keep coming back to the same things that we need to work on. And I love also the fact that, you know, post COVID, we're living in this world where we can take workshops with people in South Africa, you know, like we've all learned how to use Zoom. Like people can go and sign up for your five months. Mm-hmm. You know, and they can live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, or Nashville, or anywhere in the United States, or anywhere in the world. And so, can I tell you a little secret about me? (gasps) Can I tell you a secret? I love me a cowboy. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) Uh, All the cowboys in Tennessee are signing up. If you're listening, I'll show you a real good time. I spent like hours and hours practicing how to become a cowboy's girl when I was young. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. But you know, I jokes aside, I mean, as a teacher, and when people ask me what I do for a living, I, you know, I work with corporates, I, I coach and I facilitate executives, but I also open my program up to animal communicators and yoga teachers and parents and lovers. And because I'm like, everybody has a type, right? Everyone's struggling with their perception of other people and why on earth other people cannot just freaking get it like me I've got eight and one in me I'm screwed like on both sides you know I always say and apparently I've been like this since I was a kid my my childhood friends are always like yeah of course we came to you when we needed a pit bull are you joking I and I'm like I'm only five foot six like I'm not a big woman but everybody's terrified of me because you're right and this is what what I love about the Enneagram is that it's taught me that it's okay to kind of be me yeah. And yeah. I want to share that with everyone because otherwise I think life must be a hell of a struggle. Yeah. So the gift that COVID's given me, and I realize that I'm reframing because that's what sevens do, but I don't mind this about myself. I The gift that COVID's given me is that I can now teach people all over the world. And so what I've done, you know, and this is the seven really wanting to create utopia, is once you sign up for my program, you never ever don't have access to my program. Mm. So you pay once 
and you can do it for life. You can do it again three years later if you want for no extra cost. Yeah. The reason I'm doing that is because I really do genuinely believe that if we do this enough, we can heal the world. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't charge people, but, 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 but I do charge people the first time. It's because I do have horses to feed. And I certainly need them to live in a utopia as well, because obviously I'm a seven mummy. And you know, <laughs> seven mummies create nice lives for their fur babies or babies, whichever they have the blessing of, you know. That's beautiful. Well, let's let's end with this last question because we know that seven struggle with getting grounded and being present for life. And you've already mentioned your horses as a pathway to becoming more present for life. Obviously the Enneagram has helped you. What else are the practices in your life that can help you to show up more for life and to feel really grounded? Yeah, so one of the things that I love to do is I love weeding my garden. Mm. I find it enormously satisfying to go into a weed bed and then come out with this gorgeous, neat. My 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 garden is is really one-ish in a way. Mm. I have like over a hundred rose bushes. And roses are a four energy. They need, they demand a lot of attention. But if you give them that attention, they're very generous. Mm. Yeah. So they really ground me. You know, I always say they're my whores. I love them. They make me excited. And they, you can hear though I'm spinning it. Sure. You know, I'm finding it exciting and thinking about that. So my, yeah, my, my animals ground me, my garden, my pool, because it's very temperamental. So it often needs help. Um, which I'm not very patient with, to be honest. So that's a very nice sort of anchor and and water is transformational. So I always have a giggle at how Mm. I wrestle with the patience that my pool requires. I'm very blessed. I live in a very big place. I've got a very big garden. So I also watch the birds. I like Mm. to watch my horses. I observe the herd. I love to observe that dynamic in the herd and check out how everybody's doing and check out how my horses flirt with me because horses are noble creatures they're aware Mm -hmm. horses that I have a particular love affair with so that's nice yeah gets me into the and I don't wear a hat I like to wear this you know have the sun on me and yeah you know I live in a perfect climate a little bit like uh, San Diego's climate Mm. so we have a very sort of San Diego Santa Barbara lifestyle I would say if I had to mm. equate it and yeah my so I that ranch life we call it a plot life here yeah, that ranch life I think is grounding I have chickens I I'm a vegetarian stroke vegan um, you know, there's a cow that I get my milk from. I make my own cheese. Wow. We wow. have hives, beehives that we get our honey from. So this is all the sort of little utopia, I guess, that the self press 7 has created. Healthy right. eating. Yeah. Well, I mean, nature is such a pathway to, to being grounded and to connecting to our heart space and to our body. And yeah. Just beautiful. And I just want to thank you, Saffron, for being with us. You um, are an authentic 
kind, uh, passionate person who's truly living, you know, the life you've been called to. Um, you, uh, you said yes to what your soul said. I want to follow the Enneagram instead of, you know, you know, I'm sure you worked hard to be a teacher, but you listened to that still small voice inside of you and you went for it. And that's amazing. And kudos to you for all this work with the Enneagram and how you're helping so many people across the world. And so I just hope, again, will you um, share any, <clears throat> your Facebook, your website, anything you want to share to tune our listeners into how they can connect with you before we part ways for today? Well, firstly, I want to say thank you very, very much, both of you, for the opportunity and this heartfelt connection, which I have really felt. And if I'm ever anywhere near Tennessee, you are definitely getting a visitor, whether you like it or not. Yeah, you are exactly. Welcome. Thank you. So, and likewise, if you are anywhere near South Africa, you have a bed. So, um, yeah, uh, I'd love to share my Facebook and my LinkedIn and my Twitter and my Instagram are all basically Saffron Bagley. If, as I said, it's S, I often say for sugar, for sweet, S for Sierra, A for Apple, double F for Foxtrot, R for Romeo, October, November, Saffron like the spice. And my surname is Bagley, B for boy, A for apple, double G for golf, A for apple, double L for Lima, AY. And if you type that name into any of those social media platforms or my website or, you know, a URL, Google or whatever, you'll pretty much, I hope, find me. So, and I just wanted to end by saying thank you both to you for all the work that you're doing in healing people around the world. And it's really been a blessing to connect with you both today. Thank you. Same here. Thank you for being so generous. Thank you. You're a wealth of wisdom and we just see you and we honor you and we thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today for our meditation, I'd like to offer a body scan since our focus has been on the somatic Enneagram and becoming more in touch with our body. You can do this body scan in a cross-legged position or in a chair or wherever you are that would be comfortable. But begin by bringing your attention to your body. If it's comfortable for you, you can close your eyes. But just start to notice your body wherever you are. Feel the weight of your body connected to the chair or the earth below you. And start to take some breaths, breathing in through the nose. Exhale out through the mouth. Allow the oxygen to saturate the body 
maybe notice your exhale being longer than your inhale to see if that can calm down your nervous system. But as you notice your feet on the floor, just allow yourself to tap into the sensation of your feet touching the earth. And notice your legs against the chair or the earth. Pay attention to your back. Bring your attention to your stomach. Notice if your stomach is tense. And if it is, let it soften. Breathe into this part of the body. Pay attention to your hands and the gift that the hands are to us. We're able to type and touch and offer so much with these hands. But are your hands tight or tense? If you can, see if you can breathe into your hands and see if you can find some relaxation in this part of the body. And then notice your arms. Is there any particular sensation in the arms? See if you can relax your shoulders away from your ears. And then notice your neck and your throat. Notice if you're clenching your jaw. If you are, find space between your teeth. Relax. See where you might soften your face and in the facial muscles and then notice your whole body take one more deep breath in one more exhale out and then as you find awareness of your whole body see if there's a place in your body where there's pain and if there is, pay attention to that. Notice that part of the body. Maybe even setting an intention to care for that part of the body. And let's take one more deep breath in. One exhale out. And then if you close your eyes, start to open them. And know that the light in me sees and honors the light in you. Namaste. Thank mm -hmm. you.